Okay, how's it going, everybody? I hope you're all doing well. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, so in this episode, I thought I'd offer up some uh, some quick reflections on William Defoe's novel Robinson Crusoe. You know, you know the story about that guy who who gets shipwrecked and has to spend twenty eight years on a deserted island. Now, something about that book has always attracted me to it, and I want to try to express just why that is. Okay, so uh, let me just uh, jump right into it. So, first of all, I think there's something admirable, and for us maybe even uh, nostalgic, in seeing someone creating or building something from beginning to end. I mean, Crusoe makes practically everything he has. He makes um, candles and cheese and pottery, and he makes them all from scratch with his own two hands. So, in this context, what Crusoe is, uh, is escaping is something that's become the most dominant mode of production, the division of labor, something that was uh, first introduced by Adam Smith, of course, in his The Wealth of Nations, where he famously describes the, the pin factory, where a single pin is built in stages by, by many specialized workers, thereby maximizing efficiency and productivity. I mean, uh, why only have one worker who has to do all the operations necessary to make one pin when you can have 10 workers who each focus on a distinct operation of the process and so, as a result, produce many, many more pins? Anyway, like, like I said, stuck on that island, Crusoe has to learn to do a variety of uh, complicated tasks from from start to completion. On that island, he's in every single step of creation. And he gets to see the result of his work. Unlike so many of us today who work in jobs with, um, with no discernible products or measurable results, and where we're, where we're not tethered to or have any access to the bigger picture, Crusoe is both master of his domain and is able to go out and practically test what it is he builds. As uh, hard as it gets sometimes, he gets the satisfaction of seeing the results of the work of his own two hands. Actually, you know, all of this reminds me a bit of what um, Karl Marx talked about quite a bit in some of his earlier manuscripts. So what he said famously, of course, is that in a capitalistic society, and he's uh, partly writing about his own time here, what the worker produces becomes, well, it becomes alien to him. Or in other words, what he produces exists outside of him. What he produces belongs to another. He's not in the work. There's a loss of self in all of this says Marx, a kind of self-estrangement. Well, I think you could generalize this to include most of us in the, uh, in the modern world. I mean, what are we surrounded by? We're surrounded by items not of our own making. 
Our walls and our homes are, are covered with standardized products of modern manufacturing that are completely alien to us and which are completely replaceable, of course, without any effect. Or what's worse, they're not alien to us. No, we've come to identify ourselves with them. We are IKEA. We are Pottery Barn. Well, to get back to uh, Robinson Crusoe's situation, how amazing would it be to, to build a little world or home life where we're surrounded by the fruits of our own creations? Ones that issue from and belong to us. How great would it be to, to see ourselves in our paintings or in our candles or in the tables that we've built? How amazing would it be to know that everything we see around us is an extension of ourselves, not some alien entity that we have no connection to or play no role in? Well, and I get that it's out of necessity, but this is sort of what Crusoe's world is, is like on that island. He's created a world of objects around him through his own personal activity. Now, this isn't how Marx describes the, the situation of the worker. As uh, Marx said about the worker, he said, He feels at home when he's not working, and when he's working, he feels homeless. Well, on that island, I don't think that's the case with Crusoe. There's no homelessness at work. Work is his home, and home is his work. Okay, well, you know, there's something else that I, that I find fascinating about Robinson Crusoe's situation. And actually, maybe a good way into this is by first saying something about Jean-Jacques Rousseau and what he has to say in his great book on education, Émile. You see, in there, he has Émile's tutor, make the first book that uh, the young Emile read, Robinson Crusoe. That's it. That's the only book he has to have access to. Nothing else. It's to be his uh, entire library. Now, why? What's so important about Robinson Crusoe for Rousseau? What's its um, educational value? Well, one very important thing it will teach Emile Rousseau argues, is a kind of uh, psychological strength and independence. You see, Rousseau thinks that uh, most of us, civilized as we are, are prone to be slaves to the opinions of others and so to form all sorts of misguided and unnecessary beliefs and desires. Well, Robinson Crusoe doesn't have this problem. Because he's all alone... There's no BS to be influenced by. He can just focus on what's important. He can judge everything with respect to his own utility. In other words, he's not concerned with vanity projects here. He's not concerned with how he, he looks in the eyes of others. He just hones in on what's really essential. And um, he's only concerned with the, the functional value of things not how much he can make from something. So, all this is what Emile learns from reading Robinson Crusoe. Rousseau thinks. He learns at an early age to escape the influence of vanity and luxury 
and the empty and harmful opinions of others. Now, surely there's some wisdom in this, isn't there? Wouldn't we all be a little better off, not being stranded on an island, but if we started off in life free from the opinions that encourage superficiality and um, affectation? Anyway, you know, speaking of things like uh, the concern for luxury, it's interesting that before Crusoe gets shipwrecked, he was a, a pretty profit-driven person, always looking to travel around and uh, acquire more. But what getting stranded on the island did, where uh, money was useless, was it taught him how to learn to be content with both where he was and what he had. As, um, as he himself says, he says, On that island I had nothing to covet, and I learned to consider what I enjoyed rather than what I wanted. Now, sure, Crusoe's insight here may be temporary, circumscribed by his uh, unique situation. But nevertheless, he came to feel gratitude for what he had, and to not always look for what he didn't have. He was no longer tormented by imaginary needs and insatiable desires. He realized that everything he needed was all around him. In fact, as uh, he himself says, he had infinitely more on that island than he knew what to do with. Wow. Now, that's the, uh, the tragic irony about so many of us, isn't it? It's that we think that by living in a world full of continuous material excess, that, uh, that ultimate contentment is at our fingertips. But what we fail to realize is that true abundance isn't in more. It's in the essential. As um, Epicurus said, wealth beyond what is natural is no more use than an overflowing container. Nature provides us with more wealth than we ever need. Something uh, Robinson Crusoe happily discovered. <laughs> 